when you see broken beyond repair, this is Jesus speaking, I see healing beyond belief. When you see too far gone, I see one step away from home. When you see nothing but damaged goods, I see something good in the making. I'm not finished yet. When you see, when you see wounded, I see mended. That is a, a line out of a, a couple lines out of a song called uh, Mended by Matthew West. And, and um, I've been talking about that concept as, as Luke brings up this concept in our lives, the fellowship of the mended. Some of you have talked to me about that, that idea that, 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 that was brought up where, where the healing of God doesn't always reset you to a manufacturer's original specified condition. But it does mean, in my case, like I've been hurt and maybe I get to walk, but I walk with a limp. I'm mended. And we are the fellowship of the mended, a group of people that because we've been broken and healed, make room for others to come in broken and be healed. Now, we don't know what that means yet. We don't know what it means to not not be what it means to be healed but not reset to our original manufacturer's condition. But some of you know what I'm talking about, and you know that I've experienced some of that as well. Another concept that's been coming up also is sort of in view in today's text, and that is that Jesus wasn't going around the countryside looking for people that exhibited the ideas of the gospel. He was going around gospelizing humanity and sort of uh, um, infecting them with the gospel, if you will, in the same way that a disease infects us and then works its way through the whole system. Jesus' gospel, his good news, infects us and then works its way through the whole batch. That way, when we go out in the world, we can infect the system with goodness as opposed to what it's normally like. I, wanna, I want to uh, bring in a new thing to think about with those two things, and that is this. You've never seen the wind, but you've seen the effects of the wind. It's a very famous quote from Billy Graham. You've never seen the wind. You've seen the effects of the wind. You see the trees move, and you think, Oh, it's windy. You felt it on your skin. But sometimes the work of Jesus in your life and in other people's lives is you don't see the work. You see the effect of the work. You see the change. With that in mind, I'm going to read three sections of Scripture. We'll stop and talk about them each a little bit. This is kind of how we should expect it, not This is how it will happen. Luke 9. One day Jesus called together his his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for the journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave. And if, if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet and leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. By the way, that doesn't actually mean that you're in charge of causing that fate to happen. 
It just means that they haven't accepted your witness. So they began their circuit of the villages preaching the good news and healing the sick. When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about everything Jesus was doing, he was puzzled. Some were saying that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. Others thought Jesus was Elijah or one of the prophets risen from the dead. I beheaded John, Herod said. So who is this man about whom I hear such stories? And he kept trying to see him. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done, and then he slipped quietly away with them toward this town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him, and he welcomed them, and he taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy food enough for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 in there. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each, and so the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. So here is an adjustment to our sight. We're all familiar with the disciples going out, but are we familiar with God providing for them while they're out, right? Don't take any food. Don't take a traveler's bag. Don't take clothing. Don't take a walking stick. Stay where they are. Let them take care of you. And then they got back, all excited. God's really taking care of us. And so then the people that have just provided for them follow them, And come out, and Jesus says, now you provide for them. And they go, huh? That doesn't work. So here's an adjustment, the effect of the wind, if you will, that the disciples become, they become dependent on the world, but when the world isn't here, this is normally the way it is. Somebody helps you, but I don't always help them back. And then God shows up, right? In the breaking of the bread, if you will, he just breaks the bread. He just keeps breaking the bread, right? I broke, I broke a loaf of bread in, in half last night. It didn't get bigger. And he just kept providing. God will use his ways to provide for you. He's going to show up in your life in some way that the provision will be there. He is the creator, the sustainer of your life. He is all those things. You're dependent on him. And the effect of that, when God shows up, is the disciples become the collectors of the leftovers, the servants around which God provides. So God takes these 12 who think they're going to be the greatest in the kingdom, and he turns them into servants, the effects of the wind. You've not seen how God has done this in somebody's life, 
but you've seen their life changed. If I were to give you a minute, would you be able to come up with somebody that you've seen transformed from somebody that thought, thought they were the superstar of the moment into a servant? Would there be somebody in your head and you go, I've seen that. Do you have somebody around you who, who just serves all the time and just actually loves it and is just fed and strengthened by it that God's provision is in the service? I've seen the wind. No, you've never seen the wind. You've only seen the effect of the wind, the Holy Spirit in people's lives. The next one is a little bit more difficult, and so we're going to embrace here. Verse 18. One day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do people say I am? Some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the ancient prophets risen from the dead. I'm a little confused there. Isn't Elijah an ancient prophet risen from the dead if he's Elijah? Yeah, pretty much. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. And then he said to the crowd, If anyone wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit to if you gain the whole world but lose yourself along the way. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns to his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Some standing here today will not die before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter John and James up to a mountain to pray, and as he was praying, the presence of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled. Peter and the others had fallen asleep, and when they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing there with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not knowing what he was saying, blurted out, God bless you. Just thank you. I just thank God for including the information that, that sometimes disciples are numbskulls. They just don't get it. Here it goes. Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Make, let's make three shelters as memorials. Horrible translation. This is one of the spots... None of the English translations gets this right. This is tabernacles, shrines. Let's make three shrines to you three. Now, if you understand it that way, let's hear God's reply. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Doesn't that make more sense? Let's worship Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. No. 
this is my son. You listen to him. And the other two were gone. They were alone. And nobody said a word. This is adjustment number two, the gospelization of the world, if you will. As Jesus goes around the countryside and he starts to implant the gospel into the people's lives, it takes shape. But how is our lives, how is our belief life shaped? It is often, as this little section of text has it, it is often shaped by the world around us, the things we hear. Who do people say I am? Well, they think you might be John the Baptist or Elijah. John the Baptist makes no sense to me whatsoever since they were both alive at the same time. That just, people are wonky. There's something wrong with the world. It would be like people saying, well, I think you might be your brother Kevin. Well, you know, we're, we're usually seen in the same room together. It, it happens. But, but our frameworks for understanding are heard and shaped in the world, and then God shows up and corrects it. Our mouths are full of words and misunderstandings, and they just come here, and then God shows up in all his glory, and we start to blurt something out, and God says, no, that's not the way this is going to go. And we are changed from the inside out. We are shaped that in that in the end, his revelation, his word, his, his speech to us continues to change us and correct us and reshape our framework of understanding. You've seen the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives, but you didn't see the Holy Spirit. You've seen this now as it begins in your own life. I want to take a moment for you and just go, Have you seen a moment in your life where you misunderstood something and suddenly God showed up and you didn't have any more words to say, but you understood it better? You're being gospelized. It's okay. There's no way that you don't want to be gospelized. You want it. You want more of it. You should begin to have this attitude within you where you say, I want every single thing God has for me, and I I don't want anything he doesn't have for me. I just want all of it. Whatever he has, I want it. That's the infection of the Holy Spirit, of the gospel working in your life and taking root in your life, and you start to long after what God has for you. And sometimes those many words that you have that we're all misunderstanding, well, we think that he might be a prophet of old. No, this is my beloved son. You listen to him. And silence, the words start. So if you've seen this in your own life, that you've been shaped from within. Adjustment number three is coming. By the way, there's just a little FYI here. This thing about no one comes to me unless they take up their cross and does all these external noticed changes. Whenever your life has been changed, has your life been changed? Has your life been changed? Did it cost internally to do that? Was there a cost to you? Now, it might totally have been worth it, but there was a cost. None of these external changes come free. They're just worth it. 
number three. This is Luke 37 to 50. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him and making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Now there's a note coming out of Jesus' mouth. Then he said to the man, bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. And Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy and then gave him back to his father. Awe gripped the people as they saw the majestic display of God's power. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to the disciples, Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. The significance was hidden from them. And so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask about it. And then his disciples began arguing about which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and so he brought a little child to his side. And then he said, anyone who welcomes a child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. This is the third adjustment as we, as we begin to see this in our lives. You know, when, when God starts to work in your life, and he has, and I've seen him at work in all of your lives at one point or another, I see him on your faces. I, he is at work. But when he's at work, there's an idea that you might be extra special and maybe better than anybody else, and maybe you're the in crowd. I, I just have this one thing that when Jesus shows up and does this work and he's doing it and you can't do it, you've never been the source of it. And just because it's going on in your life doesn't mean you're now the central distributor of power from the Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit is the central distributor of power from the Holy Spirit in you. So he's been at work in you. Now he's at work through you, and he's still in charge of it. This is adjustment number three. You might think you're very powerful, but it's really you're the one on whom God's working, and you're not the only one. There are others. This matches the Gospels. It says, I have sheep in other sheepfolds. He's at work in other people's lives. Did you know that? It's not just you. Don't be so egocentric that you begin to think, oh, this is happening in me, and now I'm in charge of it. You are not the source of your neighbor's salvation. You might be the witnesser through whom God works that achieves their salvation, but that is still God at work and not you. It matches something I heard last night from Ephesians, that God transfers you from one kingdom to the other in Ephesians 
so that you might do good works. I just paraphrased the first 10 verses of Ephesians. Good works that he's done in advance so that you might walk in them. Well, if he's done them in advance, what kind of credit do you have for coming up with them? Think about this for a second. As we become a gospelized humanity, as we become changed, as we become adjusted, as we become a vessel for his work, as he adjusts our framework for understanding, now he's going to adjust the way we look at other people. That's an amazing little adjustment about how we recognize Jesus in his flawed followers. Well, we could say flawed. I don't want you to hate yourself. I want you to love yourself because you've been mended But mended presumes a flaw, a breaking, a brokenness, a ruinness about you where you might on your own end up in a spot where you don't believe that you can do anything of value anymore and the chance for you to be all you can be is gone because you've been broken. But the gospel says this, that you can be a vessel in which the Holy Spirit lives. The place where the Holy Spirit lives in the Old Testament is called the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies is a very special place. It just isn't the Holy Spirit or God, is it? It's the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. Now, you have had your framework, the, the, the studs and joists and beams and sheathing of your house adjusted to becoming the Holy Spirit of holy is the place where God dwells, where you've been remodeled, remade, mended. And now the Holy Spirit lives in you. By the way, he wasn't after just one holy of holies. He was after millions of them that went throughout the world and took his presence everywhere. That's your job, by the way. He's in you. Take him with you everywhere you go so that people can see those little changes. I've not seen the wind. I've only seen the effects of the wind. I used to know you. Weren't you the guy I used to? Yeah, I used to be that guy. I'm not that guy anymore. Have you had that conversation when you go to your high school reunions, when you go visit people that haven't seen you for a year? You used to do this. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. You've not seen the wind. You've not seen the Holy Spirit. You've seen the effects of the Holy Spirit. As you become part of the fellowship of the mended, those that God has healed, as you become part of the gospelized humanity. How do we recognize Jesus? How will others recognize Jesus? They will recognize him in us changed. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, when we think of ourselves as too far gone, help us remember that we can still be every single thing you created us to be through you and the changes you bring to our lives. We thank you for that peace. We thank you for for being at work in 
all of us. I thank you for being at work in my life. I thank you for the work you're doing. I thank you for the work that you'll do in the lives connected to us as we go out into the world, into our grocery stores, and into wherever we happen to be, our workplaces. May we be your holy of holies, transportable, movable, and radiating your presence.